When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. So what I've got for you today, did you happen to see a video where Ben Shapiro teaches politics to kids? No. It's Ben Shapiro sits down with, I assume they're a bunch of kindergartners, okay. r- roughly that age, and asks them, they ask him questions, he answers questions, it's supposed to be funny because how do you explain these concepts to kids? But what becomes apparent very quickly is that the parents that have allowed their kids to be on camera with Ben Shapiro all share a particular political persuasion, or mostly sh- mostly do. And so the, he's like, you know, who is the president? Ben asks them. And they go, one of them shouts, unfortunately, Joe Biden. And it's this little kindergartner who has no idea about the world but has yeah, strong yeah. political beliefs. And I was like, if that little kid doesn't grow up and never change his beliefs, he won't be like the rest of us, which is what I'm trying to say with all the negatives, <laughs> without all the negatives is that is how we all get our political beliefs. We're these little uninformed children who just, you know, unfortunately this side that my mom and dad told me to like, and most of us uh, just repeat that throughout our life. Then some people, there's another cohort that go to college and learn that their parents were wrong and the world is exactly the opposite of what they thought who swing the other direction. But I feel like it just, it highlighted how uh, uninformed tribal and reactionary political beliefs are, which I just thought was sad, honestly, that these kids have feelings about Joe Biden. I thought was really... Um, a shame and then the like sort of sponsor in the video is conserva kids which is these books that teach good values to kids yeah. <laughs> it's just like it's just really sad just this fight and i think i actually think that uh the woke crowd has been doing this very very well which is training teachers to train kids how the world works and there's this obvious pushback from conserva kids and other things like it just to try to own the reflex response of a generation mm-hmm. and i it was almost impossible for me to imagine a youtube video succeeded of someone teaching kids critical thinking skills of like well, how why is it unfortunate that joe biden is president uh interesting how, so you don't really know that so maybe it's more of like we're not really sure if he's good until we do more research and find out but like of course, that video would never get made. Yeah. Well, yeah, because no one would want to watch it. <laughs> yes. And I thought I thought that was interesting. And then I was hearing news about people are trying to, um, quote, unquote, ban books from school curriculums in Tennessee. They're trying yeah. to remove one Holocaust. This is book. a nonstop battle. I feel like every year of my entire life, mm-hmm. someone somewhere has been trying to ban a book. Yes. Well, the first thing I thought, I was like, okay, one, it's actually not banning. They're trying to get it removed from a school curriculum, which is very different from a book banning, which is the government practically compels, technically you're able to do homeschool, but the government uh, socially compels you. And if you have a job, it's very tough to do anything else, to have your kid go to the school. And obviously, if you look at these videos, people want to inculcate their kids with a set of beliefs. And then there's a fight over which set of beliefs they're going to be inculcated with. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's both sides. You you see, can't have Huck Finn because it has these bad words, can't have Mouse because it's got uh, bad themes, and then other people say you're trying to ban books and control the kids, and it's like, yeah, no shit. (laughs) We're we're all in this uh, never-ending war to 
not teach critical thinking and instead have an army of unthinking, reactive uh, teenagers that come out into the world and just spout the things that their predecessors told them to believe, which I just thought was, man, what a, what a, what a bummer of a state w- where people are so eager to have culture warriors that they don't want to create free, independent thinkers in okay. their children and well, yeah, that's the society. That's the problem is that the parents are going. It's it's life or death, basically, that my kid think Joe Biden is a monster, or it's life or death that they believe in creationism and not evolution. And so then, as the parents, they go, it is much more important that they end up on the right belief than that we teach them why or how mm-hmm. to think. Because for whatever reason, that belief is life or death to the parent, and they would be ashamed or have to excommunicate their kid if they felt differently. And so it's like, no matter what happens in life, no matter what facts come your way, you have to believe yeah. this because otherwise something awful will occur. I think the that's parents, the stakes that the parents, the parents are just those grown up little kids, by the yeah. way, they're just, they're just those little kids that don't really have good epistemological ways of understanding the world and what is good, what is bad. Would you hate this policy if it came out of your person, you know, if read with different spin, um, we have across well, the street from my neighborhood, which is all now little kids, because like my generation has moved out. There's there's these little kids where you grew up. You mean? Yeah, yeah. The, the house across the street from where I live, and my dad says they have during the election they had like this. Uh, they had this BB gun, and they would put targets out there with Joe Biden's face on it. And they were like five and seven. You yeah, know, these little boys just like shooting Joe Biden's face. Be like, yeah, get him. <laughs> it's of course they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and my dad's like, oh my gosh. Yeah, it's sad. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> I just thought that, yeah, it's, I don't have anything other than that is a real bummer. And that is how you get uh, continued generations of people in pitched battles that they are not really capable of arguing for very well. Well, what is the solution? Because the unfortunate fact is that most people aren't smart. If you're going to call smart above average intelligence, then obviously most people are of average intelligence or below average intelligence. You know, mm-hmm. the bell curve is like 30% smart and 70% not. Mm-hmm. So they don't, people don't necessarily have the ability to wrap their heads around complex issues. So you, it's not like you can go stop this from occurring. You can't educate mm-hmm. the parents. Hey, listen, you're caught up in a cycle that because of the way your parents <laughs> raised you, you have these beliefs that aren't yeah, really yeah, founded. Yeah. You're passing that on to your child, much like someone passes trauma on. And so your kid is going to end up mm-hmm. with these beliefs and it's not going to, the parents just going to go the fuck out of my house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, well, certainly there's no money in doing that. Like all of the money is in vote for me and my party, which is, it's really helpful to have zealots. You don't want, all votes are created equal. Smart votes don't get you in the White House anymore. So yeah, you just want someone so that's never going to leave the party. Yeah. What's the cheapest way to get a vote? To make a zealot, you mm-hmm. know, that's actually way cheaper than like, let's educate critical thinking and then recognize that not all the votes that I've spent money educating are going to break my way. Yeah, the best that's thing just to do losing is strategy. just create a human who votes Democrat every election, no matter who's running or who yes. votes Republican every election, no matter who's running. Assuming that, yeah, what you want is for your side to win. Right. Um, yeah. What could you do? I don't know. Honestly, I don't think that this is it's kind of a. Uh, I think until the structure of how people are elected win or the two-party system changes, that is an intractable problem. And as you know, as long as there's money in politics, it's this is what happens when uh, these guys really want to win. These guys really want to win. They're able to spend money in order to do it. They're going to go, what's the cheapest way? And this is going to be the cheaper way. Yeah, and you saw when Bernie Sanders was running, people also 
every issue is complicated. And so when someone says, are you going to raise taxes? The oh, first time God. Bernie was running for president, mm-hmm. he goes, okay, well, I am going to raise taxes, but the thing is those taxes are going to go into Medicare and universal yeah. basic income and things that are going to help raise. Every- so even though you're going to pay more taxes, your life will be better because mm-hmm. most of the taxes come from people who yeah. are mothering you. And everyone just tuned out when he said, I'm going to raise taxes. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, a lot of these issues are so complex that it would be impossible to educate voters on all of them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just go with, like Bernie learned. Let alone that any politician can just lie. Well, so I'm saying Bernie <laughs> learned, I'm not even suited well to actually try to educate the mm-hmm. voters on my opinion. I'm better off just saying, are you going to raise taxes? And then he just goes, I'm going to tax the rich and make life better for the middle class. Yeah, yeah. It's like no taxes on the middle class, which is like, oh, that that's a, a bite that a section of people can understand. And it's like, what is our, this is, I it's guess. It's also not what he's going to do, by the way. He's pro- if he were president, he'd probably do what he was originally going to do, yeah. which is raise taxes on everyone in a way that affected the rich more. And in his mind, helped the yeah. middle class and lower class more. Mm-hmm. He's going to, he's not going to do what he said, but he changed what he said because what he was saying before was so complicated. Everyone just tuned out when he said, I'm raising yeah. taxes. You know, what's interesting is that like sort of the question Also is, worth noting, he might've won the nomination anyway, if the democratic national convention hadn't <laughs> screwed just him. screwed him and backed Hillary so yeah, hard. So it was partially his pitch and partially yeah. corruption. Yeah. Who, who knows? It's, I guess the, the politicians are just trying to hack the human mind. And it seems like, unfortunately, one of the easiest memes, the easiest idea for the mind to latch onto is the bad guys want to kill you. Mm-hmm. And those are the bad guys. Yeah, yeah. Like that's that's the easiest concept that anyone can wrap their head around and is very well, uh, is eager to wrap their head around. So if you try to tell, you know what, you know, the line between good and evil runs in every human heart and the Republicans aren't out to kill you and neither the Democrats, they just, it's like, good, get out of here. Like yeah. the, guy that, the guy that says that they're coming for you, they want your kids, they well, want this your was, future. I, this was, I thought, and I mentioned this on the podcast, I think we even showed the clip, John McCain was so admirable when he ran for president because he refused to do that to Obama mm-hmm. and he also lost. Mm-hmm. So it's like, this is what we would want. This is the ideal behavior. He refused to say that Obama was not a U.S. citizen born in the U.S. He said he's a great family man with great values. They disagreed on politics. It was awesome, and McCain lost. Mm-hmm. And so... Well, we'll see if we'll... I wonder if we're out of that era forever, or if this, like, Donald Trump... Because I, I do think that whatever happened with Trump took politics to a vitriol that might have skipped a stage. <laughs> it might have just... It, like, just leapt to uh, end of the world, worst president ever, 20 years after George Bush takes us into Iraq and Afghanistan on false pretenses and spends $2 trillion. I'm like, wait a second. You guys were alive for a president that was worse than this. Mm-hmm. I'm so confused why this is so... Uh, why you're so confident. You also can't name the vast majority of the presidents. So how do you know that this is the worst president yeah, ever? Yeah. Well, he wasn't, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious he wasn't the worst president ever, but he had the worst rhetoric and that's what people hopped on. And the rhetoric was then picked up by an opposing media narrative spun into its condensed, uh, the purest form of sometimes misrepresentation, sometimes, uh, sometimes not. Uh, bull, like what is it the talking points of what he'd said that would make people go crazy you know the fine people talking points which is like just watch the clip see if you have the same frustration with these words as you do when you read the headline because you won't because you'll watch and you'll go oh maybe he's talking about about both sides of his mouth but he certainly wasn't as clear as this headline made it seem uh so yeah, yeah but also bush didn't say bush said we're going to do this to protect our freedom yeah yeah and i literally watched a youtube video that was made decades later where somebody said the reason we 
invaded after 9-11 was because, or sorry, the reason 9-11 happened was because they didn't like the freedom we had and they mm -hmm. wanted to kill us to take yeah, our freedom yeah, yeah. away. It's like, this has been debunked. They literally released a giant document of why 9-11 happened. And you can agree or disagree with it. And 9-11 was a tragedy that shouldn't have happened. But you, it's weird to throw out all the reasons they said it happened. Yeah, they yeah. go, it's because they hate our freedom. Yeah, it's like, But like, that's the thing is Bush's <laughs> rhetoric was great. He never said, I'm going to start a war that's going to deeply indebt the country while I kill 100,000 civilians in foreign countries and thousands of U.S. military personnel will lose their lives for basically no reason yeah, before yeah. we pull out. That wasn't his rhetoric. So like his rhetoric was totally on point. Patriot Act, great name. Trump had horrible rhetoric for half the country. Yeah. And so even if you go, which one of these people 100 years later hurt the country more as president, that's not what people were basing their hatred on. Mm -hmm. They were basing it on the words they said. And, yeah. and Bush actually, despite the fact that people make fun of him because he doesn't sound intelligent all the time, he had great rhetoric. He picked his words well. Yeah. So people largely don't, still don't put him on a list of like worst recent presidents. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's my politics bit. I'm trying to see this. This was a, just a, this may be tough to describe. I was on Reddit and there's the self-aware wolves subreddit. Have you seen that ever? Sure. It's, I mean, I get the gist of it. Okay. It's where people, can, it's where people say things and then this subreddit grabs that tweet and goes, oh my God, this person is lacking in self-awareness. Ha ha. Uh, so the tweet was that this, this individual says Spotify will mark deceptive info, but how will they decide uh, what's deceptive medical info? Are they just going to listen to doctors? And then the comments go, ha ha, what an idiot. Like, of course. And I don't know. I feel like I want to take that and put it on self-aware and be like, you think the doc, like, I understand that on average doctors are going to be more right than wrong about medical info. But like, you think that because someone has a college degree that they can't be wrong or bought or <laughs> that they can't get anything wrong that we need an authoritative board in order to tell us what is true about science and not a process of getting to the truth. I, I, it was like a double self-aware wolf's moment for me where people lulled at this person for being such an idiot while missing the finer point of uh, if your, your epistemology and the way that you understand what's true stops and st starts and stops at let's listen to the authorities that have been deemed by some sort of system, you're going to get screwed. Not every time. But just on the cases that are uh, edge cases and probably matter a lot, which is a bummer. Yeah, the WMDs one. Yeah, yeah. Like, let's listen to the yeah. Let's listen to these listen guys. To the like, listen to the experts. Listen to the I'm intelligence 100 experts. Positive. I don't know as good as the intelligence There's experts. WMDs now. there. Tell, we were kidding. It turns oh, the out food pyramid with with breads at the bottom. <laughs> the most very healthy important. food that you need to eat very, listen, eleven the, times a day. It's important to get those empty carbs. I think the problem though is that people can't do the epistemology themselves. So the question is, what are they supposed to do? They, they're not, yes, and they're I not think virologists. A general they can't heuristic. do the study themselves. So they go, okay, my options are trust no one, trust a Facebook post, mm -hmm. trust a doctor. And they go, yeah. this isn't perfect, but if I trust no one, I literally can't get medical help. When I have mm -hmm. a stomach ache, I can't take an antibiotic because I haven't done the studies myself. This is untenable. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now my options are trust a Facebook post, trust a doctor. Well, the doctor at least went to medical school. So given those two options, I'm going to trust the doctor. So I actually don't think it's that bad of a strategy to go. On average. I not, even, not even like most of the time. Will a doctor, will a doctor get this wrong? Some of the time. Mm -hmm. Will incentives make it so that a surgeon wants to operate more often than if they weren't incentivized to do surgery? For sure. Will that but come given, at the cost of your health on occasion? Yes. But given the options in the world, which is that I'm not going to put the time in to 
do primary research mm-hmm. in a laboratory on COVID and the vaccine because it would take me a decade to catch up. Trusting the doctors is actually the smartest option, given that your other options are never take anything medical and trust people who aren't doctors. Which isn't the only two options. You know what I mean? The, the other option is to hold a tentative feeling, and there's a lot of problems with it. One, doctors aren't a monolith. Which doctor should we trust? Well, you should trust the group of them that I say to trust. You know, the Joe Rogan crowd says, well, this guy invent, you know, has a patent on the mRNA vaccine, and this guy is the most published guy in his field, so I'm going to trust those doctors. Now, of course, those aren't the reasons that they trust those doctors. Mm-hmm. Those are just the excuses that they give for trusting the doctor. No, listen, <laughs> I, for a while, I held off on getting the vaccine because I just said we don't have any data on this. Mm-hmm. But that's not because I distrust the medical community like more so than I distrust other people. That's just because, in general, I was like, even if they're trying their best, they could be wrong. Mm-hmm. So I just waited as long as I could to try to get more data. And then obviously we don't have 30 years of data. So who knows? Maybe we all get prostate cancer in 30 years. And I was like, <laughs> oh, it turns out the vaccine gives you a hundred percent chance of getting prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. We just don't have the data. Uh, but I don't think that's... Women won't though. Made out like bandits in that. Unless in that the vaccine, what if the vaccine universe? causes prostates to grow in women <laughs> and then they're cancerous? <laughs> that would almost by definition be cancer yeah. if it causes them to grow. So be a very honestly very impressive vaccine. So yeah, no, I mean I I understand not wanting to trust everything a hundred percent, but I also do think there's nowhere else to turn. And I think if you don't trust like we all trust the medical community is the truth. We might not trust the vaccine, but we turn to the medical community all the time for antibiotics and surgeries. Well, the, and The degree of certainty that one holds around different things is, yeah. is, I think, what is... It's clearly not you just trust doctors. I mean, I, I don't just trust doctors. I mean, you and I have, on various occasions, we've told stories about second opinions that totally contradicted the first opinion, which is, like, okay, which doctor mm-hmm. do I trust in this medical... Um, for this particular medical Yeah, but issue. also when I got a skin sample and they told me it was skin cancer, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't go get a second opinion. And I didn't go, I'm not going to trust the medical community. I went, okay, what's the downside here? I have a scar. Yes, and what's that's- What's the upside here? I don't die. Exactly. Yeah, I'll let you cut it and off. So, and, and I paid so you're the guy doing, a thousand bucks to You're to doing pro-con off. analysis. You're investigating this person's incentive structure. There is, there is more than trust mm-hmm. the science or trust the doctors going on in the way that you're making decisions, which is yes. important. But at the end of the day, I waited that- doctor's opinion more than the fact that it didn't hurt like i was like oh this doesn't hurt it's growing very slowly doesn't it doesn't feel like cancer to me Mm -hmm. i was like listen i'll just trust you when you say you cut it off send it to a lab and it came back Mm -hmm. and i could be totally wrong yeah but and i have it's not a nice scar the scar is much worse than the cancer and they will find and i'm not saying this case there will be a doctor that is coming up with false shit in order to do (laughs) but i'm saying i still my personal i'm just saying my personal thing is still I took this, it's on my shoulder. I took the scar and the surgery. I think it's a great, yeah, yeah. It's a great starting point. Get the skin cancer off. It's like defaulting to him, even with the incentives and the fact that I didn't do the, I didn't put it under a microscope myself. Yes. Yes. And I don't need to tell the stories, but that is, that is also my position, which is when the doctor told me, because I was having stomach issues, that you don't have enough stomach acid. I said, okay, I believe you. And I took the lidocaine that he gave me because I believed him and things got worse because I believe this guy. And I went to a gastrointestinal and told me the same thing. Eventually I went to some other woman who told me, you actually need more stomach acid. So you're going to eat these celery Mm -hmm. blends every day. And I got better so fast. Now that's, I had the same process as you. It didn't serve me well in this time because this guy didn't understand it or they you know, he wanted to, this is the, uh, the tool that he has for the job. Yeah, Somebody yeah. has a stomach issue, too much stomach acid, acid reflux pills. This is, this is how I reflexively know how to do my job. 
Um, just the general idea being that I also do trust. I just want to make clear more often than not, I start with, okay, you know what you're talking about. And that does, that is not a surefire way to get to the truth. Mm -hmm. And so you can't laugh someone out of the room. I think actually that's one of the, the toughest things is when, uh, I think it happens on both sides when you, in order to not have to confront the nuance of someone else's argument, you laugh at it. Yep. Is, well, I think, is like a is a bad habit. I think the bigger problem is that a lot of the anti-vax people have other rhetoric that doesn't match that necessarily. So, mm -hmm. for instance, if someone's like, "I don't trust the medical community, but I wear an N95 mask out because when I when I have a cough, let's say, like I have a cough or a cold, I wear an N95 mask because I don't want to give other people COVID in case I do have COVID or I get tested when I feel sick." If there were like a thoughtful behavior around it I think people would be totally fine with that person I think the caricature is the person who like Sarah Palin got diagnosed with COVID and then went out to a restaurant two days later mm -hmm. and so I think when people hear anti-vax and they themselves believe in the vaccine what they think the anti-vax person is is flippant with other people's health mm -hmm. and you see you see the I mean you see the photos or memes you know some woman's on a plane sending a text Screaming. saying <laughs> no they're, she's sending a text being like on the way home, had to cancel the trip. Turns out we have COVID. Don't tell anybody. Yeah, He's on yeah. an airplane. It's like, yeah, this is this is what people think of when they think of anti-vax. This caricature that does exist who's very flippant with other people's health. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the actual problem people have that they associate all anti-vax people with is like, you're selfish and getting us killed. And yeah. I actually don't think anyone would have a problem if someone said, I don't trust the vaccine because we don't have that 30-year data, but I mostly quarantine and I, if I have a cold or something, I don't go out. Or if I go out, I get COVID tested first. Yeah. No one have a problem with that person. I guess, you know, as I'm thinking about it, a good sign that you're doing good thinking around subjects is, it's not, it's again, it's not surefire because sometimes you're going to nail it the first time, is evolving understandings of things. So, mm -hmm. for instance, uh, I watched the David Icke-Brian Rose conversation at the beginning of this. And David Icke comes and says, it's 5G and this is a big plan. And I go, look, I don't know. We'll see. But there's some things that I would expect to see if it is, in fact, 5G. Which not a is, lot of COVID in areas without 5G. Which is like, yo, Korea, going to get crushed mm. by, you know, because they're five, it's like through their veins out there. They've yeah. got incredible internet access. India, probably going to be totally fine. Yeah. Um, I'm going to get it. <laughs> I have a 5G. Because I'm very hooked into 5G. This person isn't good. Like, Has I would he come out yet with what his revised explanation Bro, I is? tried to, for the purpose of this podcast, I sat down and watched 20 minutes of uh, he did it again about a week and a half, two weeks ago with Brian Rose. And I can't do it because 20 minutes in, he hasn't addressed. Let's talk about your prior predictions. That, oh, he just has new predictions. No, it's I got it all right is what he said. And people are coming out of the woodwork. Like, you knew this. You knew this. And what he mean, what he's saying is you knew this is that they would use this. They would use this as an opportunity for more controls, which is like, okay, that was one of your broad hypotheses. But I, I believe a critical piece of those early things was 5G. So for you to, maybe he gets to it later. I, I realized at one point I'm going, I'm only watching this so I can talk about it on the podcast. I find it deeply uninteresting yeah. at this point. Well, I think, uh, uh, I think that that's oftentimes what people will do is they'll make a bunch of predictions and then <laughs> the ones that go right, yeah. they say make them look like a genius and they just never bring up the ones that well, don't and, go and right. And to be clear, I haven't watched it. It was like a three-hour conversation. Maybe he has uh, explanations for or rebuttals to those criticisms. So I don't want to say that that's not in there. I just realized at one point that I felt his characterization in the first 20 minutes of his belief system as they're going to grab power, I thought was a 
unfair characterization of the hard stance that he took. So to not start with, here's what I said, and you probably are out there going, what's the deal with 5G, which I am. Like, it seemed like he was a guy who who was used to, uh, or who has been, or maybe felt in that interview that he was preaching to the choir yeah. and not to people. Well, what like, did he say when Brian Rose pushed him on it and <laughs> was like, well, what about the 5G? Yeah. Uh, again, to be clear, I didn't watch the whole thing. So that comes later. There's totally a chance. There's a chance that it does. Cool. I don't know. Um, yeah, that stuff is, that whole, that whole, I'll keep my mouth shut. That I I, I don't have nice things. <laughs> what to else say. do you have to say? Uh, any other topics? Um <laughs> So the other, the other topic that I do have, yeah, we, I mentioned this to you. We don't have to talk numbers, but a friend of ours. I was going to say, shout out. He posted it, so we yeah, can yeah, say. Yeah, we can post the public to, info. Shout out to Kevin Espiritu, our friend. Mm-hmm. He raised $17 million based on his YouTube channel about gardening, the which gardening. is awesome yeah. because what a passion project. That's not the whole business. He raised that much, which is to yes. say he still owns a, a chunk a yeah, yeah, chunk we won't, of the business. We won't share any numbers that aren't public, but this is public. Mm-hmm. He started a passion project. Because he loves gardening. It was like hydroponics, dude. And by the way, so just to well, get if some you context, told anyone this business idea, by the way, they would have been, they would have, most people would have written it off because yeah. it's such a love of the game project. It wasn't about doing blue ocean market research or trying mm-hmm. to copy Mr. Beast. It was just doing what he loves. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a bit, so this is just for context. I, I felt very proud and I told him, I was like, I feel uh, irrationally proud of this. I feel, <laughs> I feel that, uh, because I remember he was one of like the first Charisma on Command private coaching people we had. Yeah. Like this is back in the day. Uh, and our crew from that early period, it's been really interesting to see. We, I started now 10 years ago. I was 24 or 25 in Brazil and in New York. And now I'm 34. We were coaching Kevin. We were working with these other guys. And they were all, including us, struggling, wannabes, Flitting around, trying Try one thing, trying to figure out another thing. Uh, and we bonded not because of any success, but just because we liked similar things. Yeah. And it's very Everyone cool. had a dream. Bro, it's, it's I think, cool. And also when I, I'd like, hate to say this, when I feel like I need to tell the young generation, uh, an ingredient clearly is time mm-hmm. to success. And I mean that. Perseverance. Perseverance and time is, if you look at, my friends, we are equally IQ'd, smart, whatever, at age 24 and 34. But there is a massive, and I mean like huge curve, especially in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't it wasn't two, three years. We were 27. It wasn't really obvious. 28, even us. We, I was like, how am I going to pay rent in Colombia? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was Colombia. It's not like it was that expensive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when it came time to go get your tattoo, I was like, I can't take the $80 flight to Bogota to yeah. come with you. You're like, okay, I will pay I you. Will pay. I will pay you. Uh, like hit the bottom of my bank account years after starting this for yeah. the third or fourth time. It's just incredible that with the perseverance that so many of the people from those initial friendships have quote unquote made it. Uh, and I think of, you know, we got the JRDs, the jump rope dudes who were friends with us early on. Mm-hmm. One of our friends started, uh, Another guy who I worked with early in coaching started Scribe with Tucker Max, which is a, he's now left. It's a huge organization that uh, helps ghost write books and helps authors write their own books. We've got, you know, it's, it's just awesome. And I could go on and on and on. I don't want to leave anybody out. So I'll stop there. Yeah. But, but yeah, shout out to Kevin sold part yeah. of his business for $17 million. Chased his passion, loves plants. 
I said this to him and he agreed. I was like, I do have friends that have made money by finding market holes and addressing them. And arguably some of the most successful of my friends have done this. But Mm -hmm. I would say the most reliable route to success is to take something you love and are really into and work on it for five to ten years. Uh, That, I feel like, has not missed. Yeah. And some people give up the thing that they're really interested in and they go in another direction. But, like... The weirder it is, it's like the bigger the sale. <laughs> or have your dad be a doctor that tells you that the telemedicine rules change and start him. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. my most successful yes, friend. Yes, yes, yes. And again, and that's I, that's he had like a Super Bowl a, commercial, which <laughs> I was like, holy shit! That's like a market need in a whole. And certainly, I don't mean to say that my most successful friends are people that just did their passions. That's not true. But I do find it's it a consistent passion and perseverance is a consistent formula for success if you want like guaranteed yeah they they see in my life they have with my friends they have been incredibly tied to one another well people pick what they're i mean the in our examples these people are good at these like the jump rope dudes are really good at jumping rope kevin is really good at again how did you get really good it was the passion that got them really good it was because if well some people want to skip i do think some people want to skip the skill acquisition step they want to go i'm passionate about this uh, i'm not good at it yet I'm going to start a business on it and coach on it and sell product on it. And that can work some of the time. But I think in a lot of these uh, cases, yeah. they had talent because of their passion. That's what I was trying to say. And if I'm not being clear, yes, the mechanism by which they achieve success is they cared more than pretty much anyone else on the planet. So they eventually got to make the best product on the planet yeah, because for this they particular got thing. Absolutely filthy at jump roping. Because they cared the most and <laughs> yeah. made the most videos and tried the most and didn't stop when it didn't work originally. And I mean, I like, and our, our videos, I think, within our niche are, I think, the best videos in that niche. And I think it's because we were stupidly obsessed and coming home and chatting about how this interaction went and that interaction went and why did this happen. And so that same process was playing out with these guys with mm-hmm. gardening, jump roping, you know, you, you name it. So, yeah, if that's, that's the route that I tend to advise people to go down when they're young, mid-20s trying to figure it out. But it does take time and you can't fake. And this is why I've talked about sort of moving past charisma. I don't think you can fake the passion. <laughs> you like you genuinely have to want and care and think about it. I've I've wrote a blog post back in the day. What do you think about in the shower? Mm-hmm. Which was very useful because yep. people often just daydream there. And for me, it was, it was the prior interactions I had and the ones I was about to have and how I could make them as wonderful as possible. Yeah. So that's why we're now announcing that we're launching <laughs> an esports team for League of Legends. So we've got me, Charlie, and Justin. We're looking for two more to hopefully be good enough to carry us as we're dead weight. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, no, yeah, I don't. What do you think about the shower these days? What do I think about the shower these days? I think about psychedelic. I mean, this week I have I have a thing coming up, so that's very much 
in my yeah you're gonna do psychedelics i'm going to have a a journey a session coming up so that's like constantly in my background interesting sometimes when i have a session i don't think about it till the day of oh no i'll literally be in the car and i'm going oh shit i'm about to go do mdma and psilocybin (laughs) it just hits me but also i think about dnd sometimes not all the time i'd like to i think it's because we have so many different things going on that i'm not 100 percent in dnd story Mm -hmm. i think if i was a dm Oh, Which for sure, dude. If I was I'd, a DM. I'd be nonstop. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh my God, and this guy could come and he could do this. I think you should DM, dude. I, there's so many. Uh, I think the skill I would be best at is broad story strokes. I agree. Th- and I'd be bad at everything else. Let's hear that Scottish accent on air, dude. I like, it's time to try. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a sneak peek of That's what you're going to get. That's just a sneak peek of what you'll get. I say words like foot. <laughs> <laughs> and drunk. And drinker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have to, to, after this podcast for the next two hours, I'm just going to be in that mode trying to get that, that oral posture down for the, nice for the show. Um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much all that I had this week. Do you have stuff that you want to share? I got some vaccine stuff. Yeah. My dog hates Tuesdays because it's podcast day. I mean this, he can handle, this is the first on camera right now. No, he's sitting with Ben, but he's, these are the worst days. It's, we sit here and then we sit and play D and D hates it. All right. I got some quickies. Pfizer Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine has received full approval from the FDA. Pretty cool since we all rushed to get it. And <laughs> they literally hadn't approved it yet. It had an emergency approval, which I thought was kind of bullshit. So listen, we all still might get prostate cancer, but hey, we made it through official approval. We nice. did it. Uh, more exciting, kind of for my younger self. I was praying for this when I was uh, very much a free-loving hippie. But the mRNA technology from Moderna's vaccine is being used for the first patients in a clinical trial of an hiv vaccine mm-hmm. so that's HIV exciting. vaccine hiv vaccine well I, they had had that shit i would have been all about it in my 20s well they have i feel like they've come a long way with my understanding of hiv prevention and i don't just mean i mean prep mm-hmm. i mean uh, and then treatment of it which are effective to effectively suppress the yeah, symptoms I, I don't feel weird saying this i had a friend who was all about sex parties and his girlfriend and he have, or you know, girlfriend, wife have an open relationship. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was so cool. And I wanted to go to sex parties and see what that was like, but I'm very STD nervous. And so I went on prep, which is the medicine that when you take it, it basically eliminates the risk that you get HIV. That you contract. Yeah. That you contract HIV. Yeah. Which I thought was awesome. It's also, if you have HIV, you take it and then you basically don't have any symptoms and you don't pass it on to other people. And I don't want to make it sound like this is a, a cure all, but it, it's, effective it's dude i mean compared to not having it apparently it's insanely effective but unfortunately i had some side effects and so i couldn't sleep for three days because i was really itchy all the time and i was like i can't figure out what's going on i'm having an allergic reaction to something and then i stopped taking the prep and it immediately went away so i I literally couldn't take it because i actually couldn't sleep my body was going to break down but i like the idea of being able to have sex with whoever you want without fearing that it'll kill you so that vaccine's coming out which is pretty cool and then the last health-related thing, U.S. diabetes deaths top 100,000 for second straight year. Good for us. <laughs> <laughs> so, New record. Yeah. yeah. Wow. COVID is, uh, is it a, a big problem that we have to solve. I well, think that's it's fascinating. Is that, so, so can you, do you have the shape of those numbers? Because what, what's surprising to me is given that there's so many comorbidities with COVID, I would expect COVID to hit the overweight population the hardest, which would also coincide with the diabetic population i think in some cases not all which would lower annual diabetes deaths compared to non-covid years that that's my initial thought so we'll remove covid completely because i know it's a hot button issue people have a lot of opinions on 
the U.S. has a problem mm-hmm. that nutrition. Well, sorry, can, can you answer this original question first? Do you know if diabetes is, so two years it tops 100,000. Was it topping it for four years, five years? Like, no, no, second year in a row. This is the, but it wasn't three years before ago that? it was not. Was it four years ago? This is my question. I don't know. It's like, what's the general shape? Okay. You don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a diabetes got expert. one stat, Listen, guy. man, I read a headline and I liked it. <laughs> okay. And I think the broader thing is true, though, which is that we are completely ignoring for now all of the heart disease and diabetes and all the preventable deaths that come from sugar and shitty diet. And I just think that's really fascinating because there's a lot of money in those industries that probably pays lobbyists to not make this a big deal. Mm -hmm. But at some point, it will become un... You won't be able to look away. You will have to acknowledge that diet is killing Americans. I'll fight you on that point. I think it's... I'll make that bet. You want to make a gentleman's order? Yeah, yeah. I think it's like cigarettes. They tried really, really hard. They paid for their own studies. They paid to bury medical studies, fought tooth and nail to say cancer was not caused by cigarettes. But at some point, you just go, listen, (laughs) a lot of people are dying and we need to get people to smoke less. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where we're going to go is eventually at some point, it just becomes untenable to go, yeah, obesity is on the rise. Are people confused about, but this is the thing, like they're, I don't think people are confused that your health is severely, on average, most people, that is severely jeopardized when you're overweight and obese. Well, people do debate if nutrition causes cancer, which I think it not causes all cancer, but I think it plays a part in cancer. But that you're, I think it is widely understood that your risk of death by all causes, not all causes, your all-cause death rate, which includes like heart disease, diabetes. See, I actually don't think so. I think people, I think because they love food, convince themselves that it's not that bad or it's not going to happen to them. I, I actually don't think that... I think that... Is that different than cigarettes, I wonder? My impression is that that all of this health, this like nutrition-related death is the number one cause of death in the U.S. And I don't think most people would know that. Hmm. Yes, I think it's weird. I agree with you in that if you asked people to uh, build to the conclusion, they could say all the premises like, is it true that this is likely to cause this? Mm-hmm. Would you agree with this thing that says that, you know, diabetes, and that heart disease is the number one killer in America? Uh, would you agree with the, the fact that most heart disease or a significant portion is caused by these things? If you add all that up, does it make sense that diet is the most important changeable factor that could save or, pro- or prolong lives in America? Yeah, they, that's they would, they would get there, but yes. they won't on their own put premise one, two, and three together. You don't like diet contributes to heart disease, diabetes, cancer, all these things that people lump separately. And so when you look at the death charts or when you're talking about death, people don't freak out about it. And then certainly we don't treat it that way. We don't look at someone who's feeding their kid poorly and going, you're going to kill your kid. You're going to kill your kid. When you see lung cancer on a, on a chart, you go smoking. Yes. And when you see COVID, you go COVID. COVID. Well, when you see heart disease, you, you go, Random act of God. Yes. <laughs> you see, I see what you're saying. Is that it doesn't imply in general consciousness the cause mm-hmm. like some of these other ones do. And they effectively got smoking and lung cancer to be like twins. Yeah. <laughs> and in when they... You'd be shocked if someone had lung cancer and wasn't a smoker. Mm, you know yeah. what I mean? If some, Oh, they died of lung cancer. You'd be like, oh, are they a smoker? No, never a day mm-hmm. in their life. That would be... Mm-hmm. So people go, oh, wow, what happened? Yeah. And it, but you say that person had a heart attack. You don't immediately go, well, were they? Did and they honestly, diet? Were they and I think most were people they, get, who yeah. get defensive would say, I know, I know a fit person who had a heart attack. Yeah, it happens. It's not all heart attacks. For sure. Yes, that's not what we're saying. Mm-hmm. We're just saying that a bad, <laughs> bad diet will lead to a lot of heart attacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, I think it doesn't get 
no one's talking about it. It's just not on the news. It's not in schools, really. It's not, uh, there's an epidemic occurring, I think, of malnutrition, basically, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And we don't talk about it like that yet. And I think we will. Mm. Any time frame? I don't know, because I don't know how long the cigarettes thing took. Like, our lifetime is an easy bet. I'd even say 20 years is an easy bet. Five years, I think, is too soon. To me, it's when the money, when there is a significant amount of money that moves to the alternate side. And we're seeing that with the Whole Foods. Well, is that Air what happened one. with cigarettes? Because I actually don't think that's what happened with cigarettes. No, I, think I don't know the just cigarette became story. overwhelming. Like, they basically just tried to stop the dam. You know what I mean? They tried to stop the flow of water as long as they could. Mm-hmm. But I don't think a cigarette... Like, it's, I don't think nicotine patches came out with a bunch of money for the other side, and that's what swung the difference. I I'd could be wrong. To, I'd have to learn the cigarette story. I don't really know it, uh, why why there was a push to stop big industry in this case. From Where did it come from? I'm not sure. Uh, but cool. So yeah, just thought that was all interesting health stuff. Do you want to talk about the Supreme Court justice and or Doreen, or you want to hop straight to... Oh, Doreen. Those are the two things I have for potential That's topics. the title of this, is Doreen. <laughs> so we Doreen can... <laughs> and the anti-work subreddit drama. I, th- I feel like we, you know, we owe it to our titling process, too. <laughs> to I don't know that it'll do that well, honestly, but... <laughs> yes, it will. Uh, <laughs> All right, let's talk about No, Doreen. this was... I'll tell you what was weird for me, was the frothiness of this. I watched that on Reddit and went, okay. Like, it didn't... I didn't shock, surprise. 25 hours, I was like, oh, that's pretty good for anti-work. <laughs> I, I, like, I, I was given the things that I had seen reach the front page from that subreddit. Mm-hmm. I was not surprised that that was a representative. I was surprised that that was uh, held to be a poor representative of the things that had reached the front page. Now, yeah, so I'm for, sure- for people don't know, real quick, there's an anti-work subreddit Depending on when you joined, it's either a subreddit about revolutionizing the work and the relationship we have with work, or it's a place to bitch about your boss being a shithead, mm-hmm. depending on what era you joined in, because the subreddit has evolved. And Fox News hit them up, wanted to talk to their moderator. Pretty obvious why. I just want to make you guys look like idiots and you know, tell you that the younger generation and the liberals are lazy. That was obvious. The mods went to the subreddit and said, Should we go on the interview? Subreddit largely votes, no, please don't do this. One of the mods goes on anyway. And for some reason, it went incredibly viral on Reddit. So that's what happened. Yeah. I also thought that my first viewing, I was like, this host does not come off good. He's so smug and douchey. Uh, I actually didn't think it was as bad for them as it was then received. Well, I think the problem is that there, there is a group of people in the U.S. that want to be taken very seriously, that want to change the way labor is treated in the U.S. They want to unionize more. They want to have equity more distributed in a more socialist manner. They think it's incredibly important. They think that most workers in the U.S. are mistreated. And so to them, this is incredibly important to get this message out because it has to come from the populace. Mm-hmm. The elites and the powers that be will never be the ones to pass that power on. They will never be like, yeah, that's a great idea. Here's my equity and you should unionize so I have less power. So it has to come from the populace. So it's very important how they are perceived by the everyman because they need to get people from both sides. It can't just be a liberal movement. It has to be a working class movement. So I think the reason they were so upset is because the person that went on Fox News was a 30-something-year-old person that lived with their parents in the basement 
that was a dog walker. We don't know in the basement. We don't know that. Sure, I live with the parents. <laughs> it was a dog walker and said they wanted to be a philosophy professor, which is, the ultimate, which is the ultimate, uh, even if you have a job, like philosophy professor is considered such a, by some people, like a non-contributory mm-hmm. job, which I don't think is true, but it's just a very bad spokesperson if your goal is to convince Republican working class people to come join you. Yeah, yeah. Because it's everything that they... Disdain. Uh, it's everything <laughs> that the people above would say is bad about this movement. So much so, I mean, the, the common critique is these people are just lazy. And then the mod went on there and her quote was, I think laziness is a virtue. I agree, though. It was packaged very poorly. Yeah, I agree. Yes. And so the upsetness wasn't... I think the upsetness was this is exactly not how we want to get into the minds of Republican working class people that we're trying to go across party lines to have walkouts. Like the only way you get unions and socialism is you walk out together holding hands. And so when the people on that side go, oh, this is, this. I shouldn't take this seriously. This is just a bunch of lazy dog walkers who want to live with their parents. Mm-hmm. It weakens the movement. Mm-hmm. That's why I, I think it was so upsetting. Sure, sure. I, I, think, I think so too. I just didn't read it that way. I guess as someone who thought about being a philosophy professor, I didn't have that reaction. Yeah. And well, when- also I think the person is, it's also just, I think the other reason it caught scheme is it's so peak Reddit on brand <laughs> yeah. for Reddit. So the person struggled to make eye contact with the camera. They said it's because they were autistic. Uh-huh. They're also trans and they were, did not look like particularly well kept. They looked yeah. a little bit unshowered and greasy. And so it was like, this is exactly what we've, tease the idea of a reddit mod is and so then for them to go on fox news it's just yeah. like congrats you've done you've like hit every stereotype of a reddit mod and every mm-hmm. stereotype of anti-work yeah and it was just too perfect to not go viral i think i guess the other the other reason i didn't have such a strong reaction is i was a philosophy major i know a lot of those people that uh like you could say to a degree i think it's slavoj zizek has that exact look unkempt hair uh, he's had some sort of neurological disease, so when he talks, he's got this like spittle that comes out. Yeah, he's really well spoken, though. Uh, I think could have had the same reaction. Interesting. And a summary of of a belief that I hold, though it's too condensed. I, like there, there's very smart people who have written about the fact that uh, hard work is sort of foisted upon you as a virtue in order to get you to be a willing slave yeah. to someone else. That's a way better way to put it than laziness is a virtue. Yes. I actually think if, Doreen Such had, that, I think if Doreen had said, I think hard work is not a virtue, it's a virtue foisted on you by people who want to convince you to work hard without compensating you. Yeah, yeah. That's a much better argument than, well, I think laziness gets a bad rap. I think laziness mm-hmm. is a virtue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, don't say it like that. It's poorly, it was poorly Don't say framed. it like that. Yeah, that, but I understand, I guess I did some of the extra oh. work to interpret laziness as a virtue because I'm familiar with that. Yes, but that's, the question is not what's the charitable way to interpret what this person is trying how to say. Are, how is it's, the target how audience is, going to receive exactly, this? Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so it's like, yes, when you tr- are trying to understand what the person wants to say, you'll get there accurately and it's not a bad thing to say. But just ask, what is the average Fox News watcher going to hear? It's that liberal socialist Democrats are lazy. Want handouts, yeah. And they want handouts. And it just totally reinforces why they don't like socialism and UBI and all this stuff that would actually help them because they happen to be 
in the income bracket that it would help. Mm. You know what I mean? I also felt bad. Like that person had a really rough. Oh, they shut down the subreddit. Really rough week. And they were apparently one of the longstanding mods, which I don't think they're get to do anymore. And I imagine that was a position of uh, that they they placed value on and is no longer the case. It was just a rough Well, I saw week apparently for a three minute I hate I hate when three minutes <clears throat> has such a drastic negative impact on anybody's life. Or mm, there's like, a sex joke here, but I won't make it. <laughs> three minutes? <laughs> Apparently the, apparently the mod was <laughs> apparently the mod was kicked out of being a moderator, but then a new mod whose account had only been active for a day it was, was yeah. brought in then as the replacement. <laughs> it's like we know this is you, Doreen. Yeah. So I, I don't have much else to say, but I it was just the biggest news on Reddit for a while, and I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Anything else that you had? Well, yeah. You want to talk about the Supreme Court and Joe Biden? Or no? I don't know a ton about this. I'll say. Oh, I just that he said. Well, this is this was the thing. I'll I'll, I'll take you there. Joe Biden, quote. I've made no decision except one. I will nominate someone incredibly qualified, perfect for the job, and who will be the first black woman to the Supreme Court. And I shorten that a little because he talks at length. But it's yeah. like, why don't you just pick the candidate you think is best? Yeah. And if that candidate happens to be a black woman, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. But why are you deciding first and foremost the person's race and gender before looking at resumes and throwing out every resume that's not a black woman? Yeah. I also think, uh, ironically... This is unconstitutional. <laughs> so once you elect this person, they're going to have to be a judge on you. If, if the case is because taken, that would be what very you've done is unconstitutional. You literally can't make hiring decisions based on race and gender. It's wild. So man. I thought that was awesome because they're going to get their first case. They're going to get to try is their own <laughs> do you, hiring. Do you think so? No, not actually, but they sh it should. I mean, it's, that, that is amazing. literally unconstitutional. That would be amazing. Uh, yeah, I, I am. a. Sh what is the word? A little bit flabbergasted that this movement has been so effective. And I know that there's going to be arguments over the word racism. But the way that I understand it is that this is a clear case of racism and sexism. It could not be more obvious and explicit yeah. in its statement. But that there's been a transformation of the understanding of racism and sexism such that you cannot be... In this, and in fact, to not do this would be racist and sexist. Well, yeah. If the outcome was a white guy, then we would know that there was racism. The thing I think is just strange. I, I just grew. I mean, obviously, you, you believe what you grew up. This is what we talked about earlier in the podcast. I grew up. Martin Luther King was the person that we hailed as like the greatest social justice revolutionary, mm -hmm. and his whole thing was, "I have a dream where my kids will be judged not by the color of their skin, but the quality of their character." This is. The antithesis of that, which is I'm going to look at a pool of people based on the color of their skin. And I, I know that some people think that in order to undo racism, you have to go racist the other way for a period of time. But I really hope we eventually get to that Martin Luther King thing of you got brown eyes. I don't give a shit if you're the Supreme Court justice and you have brown eyes. You know what I mean? You have blonde hair. I don't care. I'd love to get to the point where no one was upset because someone was black. No one was overjoyed because someone was black. It was just a physical feature. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter. And a black woman got nominated and we all go, that's because they're the best qualified candidate and they're going to be awesome because they're the best qualified candidate. Yeah. And I actually think to some extent, this announcement is almost offensive to the black woman who does get the nomination. Like don't make this announcement and then nominate a black woman and say, I looked at everybody and this is the best person for the job. Yeah, you're, you're, competing almost invalidating. you're competing against 6% of the, of the candidates at this point. 
which is incredible that you that you uh, well, have effectively you, eliminated over ninety percent of the competition doesn't get to compete. It's it's. Uh, I just think it's all. I I feel like it's and it's, there have been people with first person experience of this successful black people have said people just assume I'm where I'm at now because of affirmative action. But there's no assumption. At well, this for point. this Supreme Court, for justice, this Supreme there Court, there isn't. There isn't. I'm saying you've, you've people, removed the assumption from that. Yes. Well, that's what uh, I'm saying. I think I feel like it's almost. I, I feel like, and I could be wrong, this is worse for the person being nominated. Oh, they don't care. It's a lifetime not, appointment. They're fine. They'll take the job. But I'm saying just nominate the same person and don't come out ahead of time and say... See, that, that's a t- I understand that take, but that's like, oh, we're going to play the optics of it now. Uh, don't do this is, is my well, actual yeah, yes. criticism. Sorry, I'm saying don't do this, and then when it is a black woman, it'll be because it, she was the best candidate. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, there, and by the way, have some faith that that will happen without your heavy-handed intervention. You know what I mean? That and I, I don't it should, believe it that should the, happen if everybody. The, if you, I don't believe that the universe. It should happen. What six percent of the time? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, exactly. From now on out, it should happen. Uh, whatever percentage. That's that's roughly what we would expect. Uh, it's it's crazy, man. Um, I don't I I don't have people in my life that really think this way, so I don't get a chance to talk to them. But I am familiar with the direction that this heads, which is they go back throughout history and make the arguments. I think you haven't, uh, it's, it's just when pushed in the few conversations that I've had, that falls apart very quickly because it's like, wait a second. There's, I don't even want to break down the whole argument because now I'm arguing against a phantom, but there's a couple things that I, directions that I try to head with this, which is, okay, you're saying that, uh, this group has a history of oppression and this group does not. Fine. Let's say that I accept that off off the jump, which I don't necessarily for men versus women. Uh, I just watched, in fact, uh, We Were Soldiers in Vietnam, and everybody killed in that movie is a guy <laughs> on both sides, and there was a draft to do that. Um, so I, I don't accept that narrative on its face. But if I do say take the black-white dichotomy, there's a fallacy of division, which says that because this group has a trait, that each individual in this group might must have a trait. But of course... What if they nominate, for instance, a grown-up Barack Obama's daughter? Like, is that is this who we're trying to stop the oppression of? Somebody who has been so close to the levers of power their entire life, who grew up uh, well taken care of, rich, in a two-parent home, and now we will exclude the poor white person from, I mean, literally just found out that somebody that I know I won't go into detail, uh, grew up in poverty, evicted multiple times, single mother, white guy, you know, straight, white male. Like, are we... Can you not see that there's a fallacy of division occurring there? Who is it? Who is it? You don't know him that well. Okay. Um, is it me? Is it me? <laughs> yeah, so there's the fallacy of division that's going on there, which is you're not actually uh, elevating an oppressed individual. You're, you're treating group identity as the primary experience, and not just group identity, one facet or three facets, essentially, mm-hmm. of group identity as the primary way through which we experience life, which I would argue... If you're Barack Obama's daughter versus this person, uh, that does not constitute your experience of oppression sure. in the slightest. Um, so that's an issue. And then the other one is that, like, at what point? Well, I, I, I'm not going to argue against someone who isn't here. We yeah. can do it another day. All right. <laughs> Sweet. We got, I recently heard the conversation Charlie had with Chris on Modern Wisdom. In that, you mentioned something about contending with the negativity of social media and how, I apologize if I get this wrong, it's easier or might be easier to avoid the things that trigger but not necessarily better um, because you are not facing them head on. 
Um, I've been off social media for over a year, and for me, that includes Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and LinkedIn. I never got on TikTok, but I do watch YouTube, and the only other site that I use um, that's remotely close is Goodreads, but I use that to track my reading. I add that because YouTube does have its fair share of crappy things, so I haven't gone cold turkey. Uh, since getting off of them, I've gone from a zero book a year guy to 63 in 2021. Wow. And that has now turned into a non-negotiable everyday habit. Wow. I've also been playing more music, getting involved with activities that are geared um, towards helping people and overall doing things that are of benefit compared to my pre-social life. I have felt good about my decision leaving because those platforms were the main source of negativity in my life at the time. But like an ex-smoker, which I am two years now, I feel that pull to go back and it's even worse than the smoking pull. I know that going back to smoking cigarettes is not something someone should do if they quit in an attempt to contend with their weaknesses, but when I feel a similar pull to social media, I can't help but think it's best to keep taking the easy route because I may not be the right personality for those platforms, uh, even though they may make some career decisions easier. Should a person just stay away from those environments, or does it make you weaker in the long run? No, just say no. Just say no. I think what they're saying is that you or Chris said that to stay away from social media is to avoid your problems like there's a like the social media causes a problem insecurity or whatever i'm gonna be honest i didn't watch it but i'm from the what? question from the question <laughs> i'm getting the sense that someone said it's like a band-aid it doesn't actually solve the inner problem yes. but i think the counter argument is you do want to solve the inner problem but you never have to go back to social media yes it's like avoid it keep reading books sounds like your life is way better off mm-hmm. and then also wrestle with in a different way whatever insecurity instagram did bring up in you yeah and i think that's that i probably what i was saying at the time and i do not think you should get back on social media no. certainly not in order to test yourself or to uh agitate insecurities or fomo and then to address that bro i'm not on there yeah I'm, i've muted so many of the what, people i follow on instagram i don't have a twitter or linkedin mm-hmm. i think it's a great call probably what i was talking about is that it i am compared to most people very secure. Like I feel comfortable standing out. I feel comfortable being different. I feel comfortable being criticized. And Must then on, nice. and then on social media, I've experienced that. I'm like, I can handle that. And then at times I've experienced that at a level that was too much for me. And it was like, Oh, I thought I'd wrestled with that totally. And I realized, uh, I, I'm just used to containing it in these amounts in these ways. Mm-hmm. And, but that's like, I don't know. I, you don't need to draw the ire of the entire world in order to be able to handle the ire of the entire world. Just don't be on social media. <laughs> um, for me, there has been a silver lining to those clouds, but that doesn't mean that I want it to rain from those clouds. And now I torture this analogy. Like, because there's been a silver <laughs> lining, there's been a silver lining. <laughs> Do you see me just trying to, what the fuck? There's been a silver about? lining to this negative situation. I, got you, I understand. And that doesn't mean I am. Uh, I am grateful for the way that my life has gone, but I would not advise other people it's to also put themselves like, in similar situations. Don't, yeah, there's a better way to wrestle with that problem. You know what I mean? Like if your goal is to work on being secure or your confidence or your jealousy and envy or whatever it is, there must, I'm sure it'd be a better way than getting on Instagram. There's a way to tackle it more head on. There is, but let me tell you, I don't know that it is possible to feel the weight of the world and a reputational destruction in the way that social media will challenge you. Like that is, that is, a that's way. not what this person's doing. This person is looking at social media and becoming jealous of people. They're oh. not, they're not saying that they were getting canceled. And so they fled. They're saying that being on these platforms mm-hmm. just made me too involved in sure. looking at other people with envy. Mm-hmm. You're saying that there's something to be said for when you get canceled and come out the other side. 
I have, yes. That, that's that, not an experience people are going to have unless they're a public figure anyway. Sure, sure. Just don't do social media. We're in, we're in agreement here. Yeah. It's just. You're good. You're doing it. Congrats on 63 books in a year. That's great. awesome. That's all I got. All right. Let's Dang, go we, to. We're not getting asked a lot of questions. We used to have like five of oh, these. We do them in. We do them in. Know, uh, yeah. If there's yeah. any, if there's any that you want to add from any of the Patreons, feel free. But for the majority of the Patreon, what are we covering? Uh, we're going to talk about dating for the long term versus hookups what it's mm. like on the other end of the Charlie and Ben parasocial relationship. What it's like to be us. Yeah, <laughs> what that, it's like to be you guys. What is it like to be Of course. And then, um, I'm very familiar with that. Are, these are two topics I know well so far. <laughs> and then uh, getting over anxiety of dating somebody new. Yeah. Okay, awesome. So if you guys want to see those, we're going to hop over to Patreon now and answer them. Thank you again, guys. I do appreciate all the parasocial relationships out there. They help us keep this podcast going. And even if you don't feel it and you just like the conversations that we have, uh, we've got more over on Patreon. Any dollar amount gets you access and keeps this podcast going. This is how we pay for it. And I even have a genuine friend who's opted out of hanging out and just hangs in and watches the podcast now. So you guys, your parasocial relationship is even better Has than become, a real social relationship. I've lost a friend. <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys over Patreon. Take care. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.